Hey guys, um, hope you're enjoying the podcast as always. Uh, obviously, I'm sure if you're following me on social, you know about this, but if you don't, I am doing Tea with Gary V. Uh, I've been doing it for about a month. It's been remarkable. Uh, if you're not following it, you're making a huge mistake. 9 a.m. Eastern time during this uh, crisis, we're doing some incredible stuff. Please check it out. Tea with Gary V. Live on all my social platforms every morning at 9 a.m. Twitter is definitely the place that you can't miss it. Uh, in general, I think if you're not following me on Twitter, it's a huge mistake. Gary V-E-E on Twitter. Check it out. This is the Gary V. Audio Experience. Gary Vaynerchuk and this wildly handsome man next to me is Zubin, I'll let him introduce himself. Welcome to another episode of Coffee and Commerce. Zubin's been holding it down uh, uh, while I've been running around the last couple episodes. And today we're together and we're answering questions from the community. So if you want a question, please use hashtag coffee and commerce or coffee commerce. Let's just do it that way. Dustin will look for the questions on Twitter specifically. We also see all the comments here on the right side. Uh, Zubin, why don't you uh, give this weekend, uh, I'm gonna open a glass of wine actually while you give the weekly update of things that you're seeing in the e-commerce world and let's get to the questions. Let's do it. Welcome everyone. Uh, Yeah, so as Gary mentioned. Yeah, so as Gary mentioned, really excited to be with you guys today. We've got. We've uh, got. Uh, let's, let's. Dustin, can you mute Gary? Dustin, can you mute? Thanks. We're good. We're good. I left. I left to get a glass of wine. You just give everybody the week in review. We and will. Then we'll we just need to, to mute you. We will. We just need to mute you because it's back. Yeah. Do your yeah. thing. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So week in review. Uh, I'm Zubin Molavi, the president of Vayner Commerce. Uh, our focus is on uh, sustainable growth for our clients. So a lot of what we look for um, in terms of how we work, how we think, et cetera, isn't as much about looking back at what's worked and what is um, kind of like look back windows. Those are important. But the way we really focus uh, our efforts is on directional impact. So what we're looking for are trends uh, for our clients, trends that you guys should be looking for as well. One of the things that's really interesting is everybody's talking about uh, obviously e-commerce and with what's happened with the COVID pandemic, more people are ordering things online and how is that gonna be, uh, how, will that continue? Will it be sustainable, et cetera? Um, we're seeing some really early uh, indication of that directionally, that not only is it gonna be uh, uh, consistent, uh, it's also gonna be growing even further in certain sectors. Um, one of the interesting things that uh, one of our clients shared with us today, uh, it's a report from Numerator, and uh, it's a really interesting report. And this is like taking a look back at the last three years, not only just the last three months, but the fact that there are certain categories like uh, liquid hand soap, hand and body lotion, shampoo, and conditioner, toothpaste, all those CPG categories that are booming right now. When Numerator looked at them over the last three years, what they realized is that once somebody buys online, they tend to continue purchasing online and not going back to retail. So one of the things I just want to talk to you about is, again, the fact that this isn't a fad. This is like the internet, obviously. This is just going to continue. And the more you get integrated online, the more you look at it as another channel um, and, and kind of integrated into your entire omni-channel strategy, the better off you are. And then one of the more encouraging things uh, for all of you that are starting new brands out there and to really push hard at this point, where to go to the study that you, uh, indicated that 55% of Americans have purchased online, uh, have purchased items online from uh, websites and retailers they've never heard about over the last three months. So it's like prime opportunity right now to launch a brand, get it out there, and put a ton of effort in terms of building that brand community because people are out there looking for new brands to uh, engage with. I agree. 
I was listening to the far majority of that, so that was good. Awesome. Let's get into questions. I mean, Let's everybody knows where I stand on, on e-commerce. Like, you know, there's so much opportunity. Obviously, it's we started Vayner Commerce. That's why I bought Zubin's company. We're excited for you all to be here. Let's answer some questions. All right, Jonathan Atlas asks, what do you think will happen to the retail space? From my perspective, retail will stay. I think lease prices are going to have to come down. Uh, I think that retailers are going to have to innovate to make it experience-based or access-based um, uh, over time. But I think the retail landscape will look pretty similar in more than people realize other than the economics will be different. So the stores will be less busy. We will need them to innovate for that less traffic, thus affecting the owners of the real estate on lease prices. You'll see companies go out of business, new companies will emerge paying new price points for their square footage. And I think you'll see innovation around the reason for the retail place to exist, more experiential, more access. Thoughts, Zubin? Yeah, if you guys want uh, further proof of Gary's ability to kind of foresee these things, we talked about this months ago um, in terms of retail and curbside pickup. And Gary was talking about how that's really gonna morph the retail industry. Business Insider just came out with a report recently that part of the surge in terms of e-commerce revenue um, and sales over the last few months is attributable to curbside pickup. And so that's just growing. Again, it's consumer behavior, right? Like, yes, retail is shifting, retail is changing. Those retail stores are still going to be there. It's just how you engage as a consumer with them is going to shift. I think that's right. All right. So Tamara Scarlett asks, what are your thoughts around the Walmart and Shopify partnership? Your thoughts, Ruben? So I think it's further proof that if you're going to be selling online, shop you've got to take a look at Shopify, right? Like we've worked with all sorts of e-commerce platforms. The reason why we leaned into Shopify five years ago was because they offered the ability to sell on multiple channels. I mean, you want to be where your consumer is. And then you want to be able to manage it all in one place. I think this Walmart-Shopify partnership is going to not only be good for Shopify, but also for Walmart as well. Because so many of these online retailers, like black boxes, you don't get any info out of it. Now, to be able to sell your Shopify products directly on there, sell it on Facebook, et cetera, now you're omnichannel. Yeah, I think it's a good move for both companies. I think that, um, you know, Amazon's such a beast player in this game, and, you know, that partnership makes a lot of sense. I have not dug in, haven't double-clicked into that partnership enough to give a great answer, but I think what Mark Laurie's doing at Walmart, the former Jet.com executive, and obviously, I'm a huge fan of what Shopify is doing. It's one of the reasons I was so attracted to Zubin's um, business because they were so heavy in that ecosystem. Um, th- this has fruitful ingredients. It's kind of like being, n- now it depends on who's going to cook the partnership. Like, I always think about business in, in the same way I think about cooking a meal. If you give me the greatest ingredients in the world, the best foie gras, the best sea urchin, the caviar, the the best lettuce, like... I'm not going to produce something so remarkable. You give a great chef something with tier two ingredients, she's going to make something all time. And if God willing, you give the best chef the best ingredients, now you get into three-star Michelin life. And so I, I like the ingredients of this deal. I don't have the knowledge of who's cooking it. But if that person and or team is extremely strong, it has incredible potential. Thanks, Gary. All right, next question. So while we're waiting for that next question, um, one of the things, well, there, it is. there we go. Real Sergio 211, what do you think about freelancer marketplaces such as Fiverr or Upwork? 
you know, I have a different point of view than a lot of creatives on this. A lot of creatives get mad at me for liking these places because they think it brings down the price. And I'm like, that's nice. It's called supply and demand. Like, if there's somebody that wants to like you make something and sell something, like you can't you can't decide what the market wants or what the market offers. You can't. People are deploying their privilege on other people who, for ten dollars, making a logo really matters for them. And so. You know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a fan of those marketplaces because I think it services a need, um, and that's how I see it. Yeah, I just add to that to say that you know this is happening all over the place. It's happening in music with Splice. It's happening in multiple industries, and it's not a matter of um, for the creatives. It's a matter of leveraging that as well and seeing what where you can differentiate yourself. If you're going to charge ten times more, twenty times more. What is the impact of that creative? And that's really where I think you start to rethink. Um, the position of creative and all this. That's right. Let's keep this moving. I like this. John Marchetti asks, how does this market change e-commerce as a service versus selling a traditional product? Uh, Zoom, you have a thought on that? I want to make, I don't have the full context of how he's asking this. You? Uh, I don't either. Uh <laughs> hey, John Jay, uh, see if you can get back in or Dustin, if you can get John on here. I'm a, I'm not against that, or we can get him on the next com, coffee and commerce, and we'll get him to physically ask yeah. the question because I don't fully understand what he's saying. Let's keep it going. So Raymond Huang, what's your view on PayPal's new policy on resale items and protection for sellers? I haven't seen it, but if you're saying that there's more protection for the seller, I'm very excited. I think that eBay needs to lean into that. I think I think all platforms rightfully protected the buyer, because that's how you build it. But I think we're into that 2.0, 3.0, that 201, 301 course on here, where you're seeing a lot of people take advantage of the protection that the buyer has. And I do think it's time for more protection for the seller. Um, I'm undereducated on what this is. I don't know if you're looking it up right now, Zubin. Um, yeah, it, I am. Yeah, I, see, I saw you typing. Obviously, yeah. you're just gonna headline read, so you're not gonna have full thought. But um, exactly. I definitely think as transactional, internet is happening. In the sports card world, I'm seeing it a lot. The market's moving so fast that somebody buys something with the anticipation of it going up in a week, it doesn't, and then they cancel the order, and that's really unfair and wrong morals for the merit of the transaction. Yeah, totally. So just to give everybody else some insight on this again, we got to do a deeper dive into this, but basically the policy states that they're excluding items intended for resale from the buyer protection. So including single item transactions or transactions that include multiple items from reimbursement eligibility under purchase protection program. I see. So, so they're basically, yeah. they're, the incredible protections they have in place in, in the macro, they're, they're taking that away to see what that probably feels like for a little bit more merit between the buyer and the seller to not let, because you almost now see the, you know, at first in the early internet, the sellers were who you had to protect against. Right now we're seeing a world where we have to protect against the buyers. That's a really good, that's, that's really yeah. interesting. I'm excited to dig in a little bit deeper. Awesome. Next question. Chef Chris Cho, how can I sell kimchi online? Shipping price is the same price, $10 as the kimchi. Uh, by creating a $20 kimchi where it comes along with access or a t-shirt or an empathy hat you have to create, when you sell low items, low priced items, you either need to make the items so awesome that people don't give a shit that they're paying 20 bucks for your kimchi instead of 10, or you need to create some sort of club access, uh, surprise and delight when they buy it from you. 
when I say access, maybe you, Chef Chris, are cooking the kimchi with, you know, showing people, like if they buy from you, they get to be on the weekly, you know, taste along, cook along with you. Access, it's almost like if I had a $10 wine, if empathy was 10 bucks, I would make it a $20 buy because it's $10 for the wine and $10 to be part of the club where every Friday night for two hours you get to drink wine and ask me questions. I think you need to do that, chef. That's my idea. Subin? Yeah, the only, the only other thing I'd add to that is take a look at Gold Belly. So I grew up mm. around Chicago. I mm. order Geno's East from them all the time. Um, and it costs a, a bit, but you end up ordering five at a time, six at a time. So maybe don't sell them one at a time. Sell it in a bundle. Do everything Gary mentioned and then figure out why somebody would want to buy from you and just package it accordingly. But do some uh, the research. bundle, the bundle matters. That was a good point. Yeah. And 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 the lower hanging fruit. I went with a little bit of like futuristic thinking. I think your thought of five pack is very powerful. Yeah. Sweet. Next question. Jeff Holtke asks thoughts on eBay handling payments in house and getting rid of PayPal. Is that happening or is that like his idea? I think it's his idea. Some, yeah. Someone someone else mentioned it too. That's why I brought it up because I, I I'm guessing it's. Can you look, Dustin? Dustin, look it while up. we go to the next question, can you Google it? See if sure. there's something some not on my radar just as of yet. Okay, yeah, it the seems like they're one. moving away from PayPal. That makes sense. I mean, they're big enough; they can be their own bank and processing, and you know that's that's the thing. Well, and they're moving to Adyen, so we've used Adyen before right. for some other clients and whatnot. It's just another processor. Yep. So they're which probably they probably have a lot. Rates. They probably have better rates and a much bigger. Exactly. And they have so much leverage now. Yeah, it makes sense. Exactly. And then pay, and then eBay will probably provide you with the same level of protection that you were getting from yeah, yeah. Uh, PayPal before. Mm-hmm. All right. Shubham Agarwal asks, "What problems and costs the companies not much engaged in the e-commerce sector might face right now, and how would they move on?" So if they're not in e-commerce right now, what problems and costs might they engage once, once they get into e-commerce? Well, A, the biggest problem is they weren't in it and now the cat's out of the bag. And so that's a huge fucking problem. And they're going to probably overpay and be sloppy and try to move. One of the reasons, I mean, look, Zubin, you know we've been working on this deal of me buying your company for two years, but the timing could have been fucking better because like, it's crazy how it happened. Yeah. You know, everybody needs you now. And like what I'm proud of is the people that work with VaynerCommerce, I think are gonna get thoughtful, fast work, but fast a lot of time means sloppy. And Shubham, I think the thing that I'm most worried about is that people are just gonna say yes and pay for anything just because they need to be in e-commerce and they're gonna get ripped off kind of like I did in 1997 with Spacegate. I'm still trying to find you, Alex, from Spacegate. Charged me $15,000 for a website that I know he built on Dreamweaver in one day after I got educated two years later what he actually did. So the biggest concern is people getting ripped off. Second after that, going through the process of becoming e-commerce. Shipping, breaking, fucking, you know, like losing tracking number. Like just real life, you're in a whole new business and you're not used to it and it's gonna take you six months to a year to get used to it and that's gonna be sloppy and costly and lead to some customers who are unhappy. Awesome. Yep, let's keep it going. Christopher Stewart asks, I know it's intended as a platform for creatives, i.e. artists, but what are your thoughts on Patreon as a platform to sell educational how-to products? Yes. All you? Yes. I mean, what do you think? I mean, what things are intended to, they evolve to. Facebook was intended to be for college students. It's just fucking grandmas now. TikTok was musically, exactly. You know, Instagram was intended for people to take better photos and have filters on them. I think the, the, the key thing you gotta ask yourself is what are you educating people on and how, how much of it do you wanna give away versus how much of it do you want them to kind of engage with you? Like Gary gives away pretty much all of his knowledge all the time uh, online, 
and and that's who he is and that's how he operates now if you're gonna have like some educational thing online you got to build that funnel right someone's going to want to be a patreon member like i follow this uh arsenal podcast arse blog and i'm a patreon member to get deeper information than what they offer for free so that's all i would say like have your own podcast have your own stuff and go deeper in patreon yeah it's really funny like I, i've been thinking a lot during covid about like self-sufficient entrepreneurs a lot of people out of jobs and i've i've I think I've subconsciously demonized paid content because so many people doing it were kind of coming from it the wrong way. But that's like demonizing anything. You can, you can, you can handle a gun the wrong way, alcohol the wrong way. So I think I've got to make some content of like, yeah, I, I, don't, I think I would crush if I had a $99 a month club where four, week, four times a month I'd come on for two hours. I mean, you know how many people, if you would sign up for, if I did a $99, you know, one and a half hour Q and A small group, you know, four times a month, um, you know, just heavy access. How many of you would sign up? Just say yes or no in the comments right now. Like, you know, I'm not going to do that, but I think for a lot of people, that's a great business because they can get a hundred people, and that would be a big, big deal, you know, and that would really help them sustain. And once you build up credibility, and you would do it, you know, and so, totally, you know, and look, there's a ton of answers of yes, 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 and like, you know. You, you get a thousand people paying a hundred bucks. You got a you got a business. Sweet. All right, BRH Vibes asks question. I'm starting a clothing brand and want tips on how to stand out and how to promote. Man, there's so many things that go into this. You know, influencer marketing, my man BRH. You know, like sending it to people that you know DM 500 rappers, athletes, musicians, you know, Olympians, and just try to you know unbelievable amount of people. You know, from an influencer standpoint, I think TikTok is a huge play right now. I would make TikTok content like crazy around your brand. I think Facebook and Instagram ads are a killer if you've got the dollars. So influencers, TikTok, and social media ads really stand out. But then you have to be good at it. It's like saying, hey, I want to be a professional athlete. Okay, then go play. You got to be good at it. And that's a lot of the punchline of this, uh, of this whole thing, which is like, watch what I do, not what I say. I want people to get better at it. Totally. And hit me up on Twitter. I can help you out on that as yeah, well. Yeah, by the way, let's put up Zubin's Twitter handle. One thing that was, you know, one of the things that was exciting to me about, you know, buying Zubin's company as we were going through, and we really became friendly through the process. I think we really connected, and it's come true. I, I'm just, just to make you blush a little bit, Zubin, you've been a great executive. I love the way you're interacting with all of VaynerX, your leadership, your, Thank you. your humanity. I just like you a lot. Uh, I, I was that I knew that you had some ambition for more people to know your expertise you've been in the space and I was excited to like co-sign you you know it's kind of like you know Dre and Snoop right like so I really highly recommend if you care about e-commerce to follow this man on Twitter he's doing a really good job and in general e-commerce you know Websmith others you know there's so many people you know Sally and Nick and Johnny like there's a lot of people putting out good e-commerce content on Twitter and I think you're at the top of the game and everybody should follow my man right now let's keep it going appreciate it appreciate you all right Next question. What do we got, Dustin? Um, sorry, still fishing through, but I did check on that PayPal thing. It, it is going to happen. That's, yeah, that makes sense. It makes cool. sense. I mean, like, you know, what will be interesting is what, what the friction, if any, like how many people are annoyed because it's so easy that the accounts are connected with PayPal. What, what if any, drop off of people who are, you know, don't, uh, it'll be interesting. I, I have to look under the hood of how easy they're going to make it for me to switch to whatever their payment system is. Um, but yeah. 
It's basically one like Zubin's, Costco. Zubin's Twitter is not private. Somebody just said that, so I think they might have gotten it wrong. Is this right, Zubin? The way yeah, we have that's it. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I think my friend, whoever left that comment, I think you might have typed it in wrong. So I'll just go to a question that I see right now from Val uh, VR. What would be a great strategy to relaunch a brand on Amazon and Shopify in a semi-competitive niche and stay top of the game? Look, I think it's all about marketing. I think it's all about communication. If you're going to be on Shopify and Amazon or wherever you sell it to me as commodity, you'd like to sell it somewhere better than... It's bad if you're e-com... I mean, this is why I bought Zubin's company. If I can get you to the site, if the site's dog shit, you're not going to convert as well and then you think my ads are not working as well and then I show you... I've sent you a bunch of people. People don't like to fucking go through the shopping cart with you. So I'm thrilled with what Zubin um, does for a living and I think that does matter. But when you're going to be on Amazon, Amazon's got that down. And so what you need to be great at is getting people there. And that's why I believe marketing, social media marketing specifically at this moment, podcasts, content, acting like a publisher, influencer marketing, TikTok, this is all I talk about because it is the punchline of every question. And so become a tremendous communicator in 2020. LaShawn Turner asks, is D2C the way to go with regards to a peanut butter brand? One thing I just want to comment on with that is something really interesting that we're seeing. Um, with a lot of our clients is you, you basically had retail before and you had online and we're kind of promoting both of those spaces from them, but for them. But what's interesting are, are the Instacarts of the world, the delivery service providers. So getting your peanut butter brand into online, obviously uh, into national retail is big. It's going to take some time to get there. But if you can grow it with D2C, get your following there and then start putting it into local stores, run some ads, not only ads that just go online and buy, but like Instacart ads, like start promoting it there. Because when people are buying peanut butter online at the local store and they're getting Instacart to deliver it, you want them to think of yours. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. One can two asks, will websites ever be built via voice command apps? <laughs> That's cool. Zoom, what do you think? I think websites will definitely be used via voice command apps. And they're, I mean, Alexa's kind of leading the, the the force on that end um, in terms of them being built um, I have no idea <laughs> yeah I think being built so through voice yeah I mean yeah. I think you're talking about decades but I'd be surprised if they didn't you know I'd be surprised before I die if that's not how it's done I really believe that I think 30, 40, 50, 60 years around yeah I think there's something cool there LinkedIn user is AliExpress e-commerce still a viable platform to drop ship from considering COVID now I'm a little bit undereducated on that, so I don't know if I can answer that, Zubin. Um, likewise, I don't think I think the supply chain is coming back in China, from what I'm hearing. Um, and so, in terms of like using the dropship, um, to Gary's point, I'm not as educated with it. I would just say when you're considering a dropship business, like seriously look into all of the economics around it, because there's so many people that are like, oh, it's so easy to sell on Amazon, this, that, the other, and they realize 30% gone, 35% gone from the top. Um, so just really understand the business model, regardless if it's AliExpress or anything else before you just jump into it. Cool. Ibrahim Karahanli asks, Gary, any tips on growing a recruiting agency focused on the fashion industry? Heavy content on LinkedIn. Heavy. I would make, I would probably post five to seven times organic on LinkedIn a day, you know, about why you, why you're great at it, what your, you know, companies, I find good talent. If you're good talent, call me, leave a comment here, DM me, message me. Uh, let's get on the phone. 
I would LinkedIn content heavy, pot committed like a poker hand. Gary, can you just give everybody a quick overview from your vantage point on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, when and where and how? LinkedIn, very good B2B, unbelievable organic reach, similar to Facebook 2011, similar to Instagram 2014. Everybody here can post something on LinkedIn in video, audio, written form and get more people to see it than they could ever imagine. Uh, Very B2B focused, but starting to become more B2C focused. I'm seeing people sell wine and unbelievable amounts of like clothes and peanut butter on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is Facebook 2012. Facebook, the best ad product, you can target like crazy. Um, an incredible platform if you're trying to reach 45 to 90 year olds with your service. Facebook groups are an incredible thing to build where you can get people into, that's Facebook. Instagram is the one right now, right? It's the most competitive, it's the hardest to break through, but it is where the contemporary 18 to 45 year old culture is living. Content is the variable, it's hard to get viral there. It's the most competitive and most important place and you're starting to feel like you're on the downside of Instagram with TikTok's emergence and a little fatigue, but it's still a beast that'll be here for a long time. <clears throat> Twitter is an incredible platform for a lot of people. It should be the platform you do the most listening. Twitter search is the best part of Twitter. Type in drop shipping and see people talking and then get into the conversation. It is a cocktail party and you are you have permission to join any convo. That makes it a beast. I'm a huge, huge fan. TikTok, make content you wanna make, not what you think you need to make on TikTok. It's not about dancing. It's not about memes. It's about you putting out what you wanna put out It's getting older by the second, 20, 30, 40 year olds by the second. So I think TikTok, much like Instagram, much like Facebook, will evolve into something different than it actually is. That's my little speed round. That was kind of good. That was awesome. Um, We might, team, Dustin, we need to clip that. That was a good. I know, that's an Instagram post. Um, So Halvin and I asks, how would you scale a one-man agency that has seven dealership clients to 15 clients? Uh, I would hire. <laughs> I would. I would hire. I, Halban, Halbin, I would absolutely give up some of the profit to hire. That's what I did with Vayner. I made no salary in the early days. That's how you scale. You scale by not taking money home. You scale by taking the seven to fifteen clients' money and hiring people. It's hiring. It's fucking hiring, and it's firing when somebody doesn't work because you can't waste the money. And productize Halbin as much as you can. Like figure out what you're doing the same for all of them productize it, normalize it, you got better margins, and then when you're presenting it to the other 20, 30 clients that you want to get, you've got a very clear roadmap of what you're selling. And let's talk about productizing. Zubin is a technologist, so he built things. I productize through systems and decks that I repeat so I don't have to build the course every time. So, and, And then having two people around me through osmosis, I'm productizing through humans. That's awesome. Let's get one more in before we bounce. This is fun. This is a quick little 30... By the way, real quick in the comments, how do you like this format? Like 30 minutes, boom, education, like just curious. And by the way, I'm sure we're gonna turn this into a podcast. Podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening. Hope this is bringing you value. Just curious how people's thoughts in the comments. Go ahead, let's I get like the last I like a question one. that uh, Ilan Sunovsky asks. Should a high-end skincare brand, what should a high-end skincare brand do now that other more popular major brands aren't doing? TikTok, 100%. Like seven organic pieces of content a day on TikTok, DMing 100. Here's the formula. Seven organic pieces of content on TikTok, 100 messages to TikTok influencers if they want samples. And then take that, build a little quiz on your site for your consumers to get there so you can get a better sense of who they are and then link them up with the best products on your site for them. 
Because at that point, you're giving them value and you're getting insight from them. And the last 120 seconds, Dustin, type it out. VaynerCommerce.com. If you are a direct-to-consumer brand, if you're a Fortune 500 brand, if your cousin has a brand, if your uncle works at a brand, please check out VaynerCommerce.com. We are quietly and not so quietly building the premier e-commerce agency with incredible capabilities of consulting, building out websites. Just, you know, Zoom, what would you say that the three or four things that stand out at VaynerCommerce that really, what's the, what's the lowest price point somebody can get into VaynerCommerce? Like what's the cheapest shit you sell? Anything? Yeah, cheapest stuff that we do is probably a 50K consulting engagement. So taking a brand and building out an entire direct-to-consumer strategy for them, modeling it out, et cetera. Great. I hope up. you enjoy this. Zoom, you're amazing. This was fun. Let's do uh, this third. Uh, there was something here. I love it. Let's yeah, do me it. Me too. Talk to you soon. See, Bye, everyone. Hit me up Bye. on Twitter, Gary V E E. You can put that up there, Dustin. In case they don't know, I would be shocked if they didn't. But, but actually, not shocked. Gary V E E. Let me know what you thought about this format and this show because I'm going to lose these comments in a second when I click this out. And a hundred percent follow Zubin. Follow Zubin on Twitter as well. Um, it is one, especially if you're deep in this world, he's constantly talking about it. I may talk about sports cards or the Jets or something random or, you know, a T. Grizzly new, you know, album. But, you know, Zubin's consistently good on this. So we'll see you later. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Zubin. Love you. Thank Bye-bye. you, Dustin. All right, episode's over. Like I said in the beginning, please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Hey, podcast. Joe from Team Gary here. Today's highlighted review is Feeling Seen by Austin J. Morris, 23. The best thing I've discovered in my journey as an entrepreneur who thinks differently is all the content put out by Gary V. Anybody with an entrepreneurial mind or anyone who thinks that building a better world starts with changing our perspective really needs to subscribe to his podcast and check him out on Twitter and Instagram as well. As I'm putting together content and a company built around education and the fact that everyone learns a little differently, Lessons and thoughts from Gary have been invaluable. I hope to get some time to talk with Gary or his team soon because I think I can help a lot of people with what I've been building and think I could grow an audience even larger. Thanks to Austin J. Morris. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.